Hello, hello, warriors, witches, and weirdos. Welcome back to my heathen heart. I'm your host, Ryder, and this is Shield Maiden Podcast. Welcome back, friends. We are officially out of February. A very happy March and a happy... Happy birthday to my Pisces friends. I don't think I know any Pisces personally, which is weird. Uh, If you're listening to this and we're friends and you're a Pisces, please text me and say, hey, I'm a Pisces, you dumb bitch. But I feel like I could use some chaotic Pisces energy in my life. Uh, I feel like we're slowly defrosting. The spring is on its way. Um, For me, an indicator that spring is officially on its way is when we get out the seed growing setup the lights, the heat mats, and everything like that. And we have our kales in right now, our lettuces, all of our leafy greens, our peppers are all in their little seed pods. And that's been keeping me pretty busy, honestly. Um, Plus, it's definitely a pick-me-up, I think, to get your hands in the dirt and start planning for the spring and summer crop. And it's kind of like a light at the end of the tunnel. Also this month I am looking forward to some more coven shenanigans. One of my coven mates is getting married in the spring around Beltane, shout out B, and we're throwing them a witchlorette weekend later this month. And I cannot wait to just take a million pictures and videos and just have a fantastic witchy time. We've been planning it for months. It's themed. There's going to be a hobbit brunch that I'm particularly excited for. I will have any excuse to put on a crazy outfit, really, or like any chance to break out like a corset or a cloak. And just really, I'm just excited to like drink in that delicious moon goddess energy. I live with my husband and my two sons, and it's it's just a lot of testosterone in my house, guys. It's just, with all these boys, it's just always so refreshing to get to go hang out with my coven and just have some girl time. And this week we have another, speaking of girl time, we have another installment of Shield Maiden Sagas. And I cannot wait to tell you about this little pirate baddie, my girl Jin Shi. But first, hit me with that two card tarot pull. What's gonna be the vibe this weekend? First we have the Eight of Wands. The Eight of Wands says we might have uh, an interesting proposition soon. Um, maybe like an opportunity coming up. Something that really piques your interest. You might find yourself being very productive, getting a lot done, um, checking shit off your to-do list. But uh, don't forget to take a step back every once in a while and you know pace yourself, take breaks. Don't, don't get too overburdened or overcommitted. We want productivity, we don't want burnout. Card number two is the Nine of Pentacles. And the Nine of Pentacles, she is urging us to plan for our future. Successes and accomplishments are quite literally in the cards for you. But only if you plan, only if you prepare for it. Um, Additionally, you might see an increase in wealth, prosperity, or health in the coming weeks. This could be because of winter's end and the warmer months being inbound. But in my experience, a wand card paired with a pentacle in a reading is usually uh, a reference to finance or career. So tap into your strengths and ambitions, get, you know, get prepared and set yourself up for success. That is a very interesting and relative poll for this episode. Wowza. So speaking of success and ambition, this month's honorary shield maiden is about as ambitious and as successful as they come. 
I'm talking about the most badass pirate in history, not Jack Sparrow. Move over, Captain Morgan. We are talking about the terror of the Chinese sea, Zheng Shi. Let's take it all the way back to the year 1775. That is also the year the Marine Corps was formed in the United States. There's a fun fact that's burned into my brain forever. Um, Zheng Shi was born into very humble beginnings, I would say. She grew up in a city by the sea in China. Uh, not a whole lot is recorded about her childhood and her early years. I can only assume that maybe a lot of documentation was probably done by men who really didn't care that she was a child. Um, they only cared once she became a teenager, which is weird as fuck, but I digress. What is recorded is the fact that she was basically super hot. Um, She was a very attractive girl, and as a teenager, she worked in what was called a floating brothel, which is basically exactly what it sounds like. It's just a big boat for prostitution, which is also kind of funny to me because she's going to grow up to be this really badass pirate, and she kind of got her start in life on a boat. A shitty start, but nevertheless. So she's on this boat, she's floating around this brothel, she's doing her thing, she's sluting it up on the water. Unrelated, speaking of sleut, my husband was trying to call me a sleut the other day, and he kept saying sleuth with a TH, and I was like, what am I, Sherlock Holmes? And he was like, no, a sleuth, like a, like slutty, a sleuth. And I was like, a sleuth is a detective, you know that, right? And he was like, no, a sleuth, like a slut, but a sleuth. And I was like, it's sleut, <laughs> a sleuth is a detective. And he was like, Mm, I don't think so. And I was like, it definitely is. Anyway, he keeps saying sleuth and it cracks me up. Anyways, Zheng Shi is sleuthing it up on this floating brothel when one day in walks a young pirate fella named Zheng Yi. Um, Spoiler, she will go on to marry this little pirate guy. But also, fun fact, Zhen is not her real name. Zhen Shi actually means widow of Shi. So... Later on, after he dies, um, and she becomes this, like, widow, she takes his nickname, and so she becomes widow of his nickname, widow of she. Little confusing, but just know that Jen Shi, she had a totally different name originally that we'll never know what it was, but just, just so it's out there. So Zhen Yi goes into this floating brothel, and he sees this girl, and he's like, dang, she's super hot, and they get it on, and he becomes, like, a repeat customer of hers, and he finds himself to be Captain Sabaho, and he falls in love, and he wifes this girl up. Mind you, she's 16 at the time, so there is some debate as to whether they both genuinely like met and fell in love um, and decided to get married, or if maybe he forced her into marriage, which was definitely not uncommon for the time and place. But some speculate that there is actually a much more likely third scenario and our first glimpse into her badass shield maiden behavior. It's theorized to be more likely that our girl, Zhen Shi, agreed to marriage as a business arrangement. She negotiated and arranged a deal of sorts that she would marry this man with clauses. And the clause being that she got equality in everything that was his. She had an equal say in his dealings. She had equal say in how he ran his ships. She got equal half and equal say in everything. And just like that, she essentially held 50% of everything he owned. What a fucking power move at 16 years old, a true businesswoman in the 18th century. So a little background, at the time there was some conflicts going on in China. Um, conflict between 
different dynasties. So the people of China, they were like, we really don't want to be a part of this war. It's, you know, it's not for us. And it's likely inevitable. So people were kind of slowly fleeing to the coast. And because of that, pirating and pirates in general just just became like a very common thing. There was just pirates all up and down the coast, pirates everywhere. So people are moving to the coast and who's waiting for them at the coast? Zheng Yi and his brand new little hot pirate bride, his new business partner. And they're like, hey, you know, you can come be a pirate and escape to the waters and get away from all this war and terror and fly under our flag, be a part of our little pirate family and we'll make you rich and keep you safe-ish. Um, emphasis on the ish. And there was a lot of traffic on the high seas at this time because trade routes were predominantly by boat. They didn't have, you know, Amazon Prime next day shipping. Um, so everything was by boat. So pirating was just like all the rage. So let's talk about the fleet. At the time when they got married, Zhen Shi already owned, or sorry, Zhen Yi already owned and captained what was called the Red Fleet, which was an armada of ships that sailed under a flag, which then became Zheng Yi and Zheng Shi's flag. Um, but with people fleeing to the coast and the surge in manpower available, they started to expand their fleet and sort of like join up forces with other flags. So there was a pirate fleet that sailed under a blue flag and they joined forces with the red flag and they were like, okay, you're the blue fleet and we're the red fleet, but we all operate under Zheng Yi's command. And eventually they amassed a huge fleet operating under green, blue, yellow, white, black, and red flags, which totaled over 1,200 pirate ships and over 70,000 pirates. Like, they're out here doing fucking gang shit. That is so many, it's insane. So in reading this, it made me think, why would they not all just fly under the red flag? And the only thing I can think of is that maybe it's sort of like a Game of Thrones situation, where... The red flag is like the end-all be-all. Like Zheng and him and his wife are like, they are the pirate king and queen. They're the big kahuna. And then the fleet, the red fleet is number one, like the red keep. And then all the other colors are kind of like the Starks and the Lannisters and the different families that sort of run independently, but they are still under the command of the red fleet. So they keep their own colors to like identify their own little brand, but they still operate under the red fleet flag. So the Zhengs still own them. Hashtag power couple. So this is where things start to get kind of funky. So the two Zhengs are riding around, doing hood rat shit, up on the open seas, being pirates, life is good. And for some reason they decide, likely as some sort of like deal or business transaction, I'm guessing, um, they decide to legally adopt another pirate. Uh, his name is Zhen Po. And Zhenpo is a teenager. He's 17. He's like an up-and-coming star in the pirate world. He's like a like a William Turner type. And mind you, they also have two children of their own already. So their little family is Zhen Yi, the king, his pirate bride, Zhen Shi, their two little babies, and then this like random teenage boy, Zhenpo. Now, unfortunately, fairly quickly during one of the raids in like the Vietnam era, area, Zhen Yi is killed, leaving Zhen Shi with the two babies and the teenage boy. And now, of course, this would be very sad for her, but our girl Zhen Shi has no time for mourning. She acts very quickly, and she basically sees this as an opportunity. She's like, our pirate king is dead. There's about to be, 
you know, some sort of mutiny. People are going to rise up when they find out that the king is dead. And the rest of the fleet's going to catch word and, like, someone's going to try and take over. And I can't let that happen. So she acts really fast and she's like, I'm going to step into his place. I will be the pirate king leader. Look at me. I'm the captain now. So before anything crazy can happen, she calls a meeting with all the captains of all the other colors under the red flag brand. And she's like, hey, I'm your captain now. What up? And all the captains are like, girl, I I hear you. I see you. That sounds great. But unfortunately, under like maritime pirate law, it has to be a man. And, you know, she could not legally, or I guess not legally, but she could not under pirate law, she could not be the new like pirate king uh, because she's a woman and it has to be a man who runs the show. Womp womp. Uh, But she was already 10 steps ahead of them and she was like, dang, you're right. I can't be the new pirate leader. Oh no. In that case, I nominate my son, Jen Po. And everyone agreed. They were like unanimous. They were like, hell yeah, we fucking love him. Um, But it was understood that he was sort of young and inexperienced. He was kind of just like a figurehead having to be a man in in control. Um, They actually still listened to Jen Shi. Jen Po was just like, their little figurehead. But this wasn't enough. She knew that surely, eventually, some young buck somewhere in her fleet was going to be like, hell no, I'm not listening to a woman, you know, whatever. There would be an eventual mutiny. But again, our girl is 10 steps ahead of everyone. So in order to really lock in that position as leader, she comes up with a plan and decides to marry, marry her adopted son, Jen Po, which she later reveals was in fact the plan all along. Which is why if you think back to when I said that I speculated that maybe she didn't actually love Zhen Yi back in her brothel days, that maybe it was just a business arrangement, my absolutely not canon theory is that she went along with the marriage for the power that she could eventually gain. And then she fell in love with this young hot pirate dude, Zhen Po, and she was like, the plans all coming together and the wheels started turning and she came up with this plan to make him her eventual husband. Because if you think about it, he was probably actually a lot closer in age to her being that she got married to Zhen Yi when she was 16. Um, I have no way of proving that or telling if it's true, just my personal theory. So she marries Zhen Po, her adopted son, which is He's not technically blood related to her, so like it, it's not that weird, but it's it's still pretty weird if you ask me. Um, and this was like a shared thought at the time, by the way. They did a lot of weird shit at the time, but this, even back then, was kind of weird. They were like, that's weird, but you're the leader, so whatever. So now our girl is once again the wife of the most powerful pirate on the seas, or arguably she herself is the most powerful pirate of the seas. 1,200 ships, 70,000 plus pirates, that's basically a small country. She's like the fucking queen. And now that she's running the show, she decides she's gonna enact a couple new pirate laws. She's like, I've been watching this shit for a hot minute. We really need to make some changes over here and streamline this shit. So she comes up with three laws. Law number one, right off the bat, is anybody who disobeys her or her husband gets beheaded. No trial, nothing, just you cross me. If I think you're gonna cross me, if I catch rumor that you had an inkling to cross me, beheaded. Law number two was no stealing. No stealing from each other, at least. I'm, I'm assuming that they had to have had some sort of friendly rivalry situation going on between the flags. If you have 1200 ships 
um, under like five or six flags, there's bound to be some sort of dissonance somewhere. So she made it law that pirate gangs under her rule could not steal from each other, like from other pirates. Additionally, you couldn't steal from people on land who were helping them. So they have these like certain parts of the coast that are kind of like safe haven spots where they could dock and people on shore would assist them with moving goods. They would give them like rice and opium and textiles and like other things they would need to survive. So she considered those people to be indispensable. They're they're team pirate. You can't steal from them either. And law number three was the 2080 rule. So when you go out robbing and pillaging and whatever, any goods that you find and steal, you're allowed to keep 20% for yourself. And then 80% would go to her to delegate to the needs of the fleet for the, for the greater needs of the fleet for fixing sails and buying ammunitions and things like that. 80-20. So those are like the three pirate laws. Those are like black and white, no gray area, hard and fast laws. So then she comes up with some other rules that are not necessarily like written down pirate law. They're more like a general courtesy, an unspoken rule, but that was still enforceable. Um, these are kind of interesting. Number one rule, she really wanted to rebrand the fleet and market it as less anarchy on the seas and more like civilized. That way they would be recognized as like an organized respected and feared armada um, and just garner more respect. So the first thing she attempted to do was sort of do away with raping. These are pirates in the 1700s. Obviously there's going to be rape along with the pillaging going on. And she figured it was unrealistic to tell these 70,000 pirates that they could no longer do that. So she came up with a plan to make it a rule that if you go out and you know do whatever the fuck you want, but if you're going to go have sex with a woman, which I can only assume was most often assault and not consensual, but if you're going to have sex with a woman, you will be forced to marry her and be faithful to only her. So, like, if you're not, beheaded. This was, like, her go-to, I guess. Um, additionally, rule number two was that if you refuse to marry a woman after having sex with her, Zhen Shi would immediately consider that non-consensual, and that also means beheading. So it was kind of like... Yeah, you can go out on your raids and do your pillaging, go rob, take whatever you want. But if you find a woman and you want to have sex with her, you better make sure it's consensual and that you're willing to marry her and be faithful to her and her alone. Because if not, off comes your head. Uh, and this actually did prove to be pretty effective. And it did do away with a lot of um, the rape that was going on at the time. We love a feminist icon. I don't know that the women wanted to necessarily marry into... A pirate fleet but hey who knows so rule number three was kind of a weird one and kind of the opposite of her previous feminist motives rule number three was that when you raid a town and you rob them take all their shit what have you they were allowed to take women as long as long as they were beautiful women as prisoners not to rape because again that's what that's against the rules but they were allowed to steal beautiful women and use them for ransoms. In addition to this rule, the other half of this rule was that there was no ugly women allowed. They were only allowed to steal the most beautiful women. So if you're ugly, good for you, you go free. But if you're hot, we're gonna keep you around and force your family to pay for us to give you back. And 
She knew what she was doing though. This was very intentional. She knew that by doing away with as much rape as she could while it was a valiant effort, it would eventually be detrimental to the fleet because if your fleet is entirely men and none of them are having babies, your fleet's not gonna grow. And so a lot of sources say that she did in fact encourage kidnapping of beautiful women and sometimes children, sort of as like an insurance policy. So you have all these kids and little pirate families running around. It's good for your little pirate economy. You're growing the fleet with families and you know, maybe not the best way of going about it, but nevertheless, they're still pirates after all. So back to pirating, Jeanne was famous for her ability to sneak attack on unsuspecting cargo ships. Uh, the pirate ships would position themselves behind like islands almost and like sort of hidden and they would put men into smaller rowboats and they would wait until the target ship got really, really close and then they would pop out from behind the island, um, forcing the cargo ship to stop. And then the men in the smaller boats would rush the cargo ship with like swords and spears and kill everyone on the cargo ships and take their plunder. And this was a terrific tactic used again and again. And they used this tactic to not only garner money and goods and people, but this is also how they amassed very large territories. They really get their name out there. They are like top of the top. They're ruling this shit. And this is where shit gets real. So the year is now, so the year is now 1808. Jeanne and her massive fleet have started to not only get the attention of the Chinese government, but they have started to become like kind of a pain in the ass. Like they're now public enemy number one. So much so that the Chinese government starts sending all their money and resources just funneling into trying to destroy her fleet. And they do this with a series of really fierce battles on the water. Um, but as they say, never bring a knife to a gunfight, never challenge a pirate hoe on her home turf. And her and her men managed to take over several government ships that came after them. In fact, they took almost all government ships that came after them. And the more ass the government tried to throw behind this effort, the more ships they lost. And her, her fleet just grew larger and larger. And it got to a point where the Chinese government actually had to resort to using fishing boats for battle because Zhen took all of their ships. The, and the imagery is so funny to me because it's just like the Chinese government being like, we really want to get this pirate bitch. She's really a thorn in our side. And like all these men in government just putting all this effort into beating her. And she's just like swatting them away <laughs> like flies and just like taking their ships. Like, oh, nice try. Oh, cute. In fact, the Black Flag Fleet alone, the Black Flag Fleet, by the way, was like her VIP. So they were like the best of the best. Everyone that was the best got put on the A-team, the Black Flag team. And in a single excursion, the Black Flag fleet was able to kill upwards of 10,000 people, which is insane because when I picture a pirate ship, my mind immediately goes to Pirates of the Caribbean. And so I picture like this big boat with like the sails and everything and a crew of maybe between like 50 and 75 people at most. And I imagine them all like kind of sick with scurvy with like no teeth and they're all dirty and like drunk on rum all the time. But this was like a serious operation. 10,000 kills in a single excursion. Holy shit. Now the turning point came when Zhen Shi killed a very important commander during one of the battles. 
I don't know his name, don't care. But she killed him, and the government was like, okay, that's enough. Like, we really have to do something about this because we're gonna get wiped off the map soon, and then the whole world's gonna laugh at us, and China will be no more, and like, we just can't stand for this. So, in between, Catan and Macau is a very important canal and an important trade route. And it was like a north south running canal, body of water thing. Bigger than a river, smaller than like a sea. And it had a ton of small islands in it. And it was super valuable for trade and for the economy. And so China was like, this is one area that we really cannot afford to lose control of. Because if they lost that route to the pirates, they would have no in and out, right? There's no import-export trading if they have control of that and then China would fall. So at this point, the only only pirates that are allowed to run this this trade route because um, they do it so well, is the Black Flag Fleet and the Red Flag Fleet. They spend a whole year just going up and down this channel, just just doing what a pirate do. And meanwhile, the Chinese government is hiring a man named Bai Ling. And he's a very well-known negotiator and strategist. And they hire him and they're like, look, you guys, we're failing on a massive scale. I have a better idea. Let's track their ships up the channel and we'll go through both ahead and behind them, and we'll start training people in those villages on the little islands in the coast of this little channel. We'll start training them. And his theory was that they cannot keep bringing the fight to Zhenxi on the water. They'll never defeat her that way. But if they train and arm civilians on the shore, they can at least stop them from coming on land. That was his theory. He also had them reroute that really important trade route to around the channel for a short time so that the import and export was like no longer going through there. So he kind of cut them off at the source. Um, There was nothing going into those islands. There was nothing coming out. And so the fleet had nothing to pirate. And so he assumed that like, if there was no goods to pillage, that they would eventually start like downsizing and dying off and what have you. Um, Which is also really funny because I just imagine a bunch of pirates like flooding into an island and being like, Gah, like give us your goods and stuff and and then a bunch of farmers and fishermen are just like we don't have anything sorry um Biling was a very smart advisor in the beginning because it worked with nothing to steal and you know nothing to pillage these fleets started to dwindle but only a little bit they did stay tenacious for a while and survived off of caterpillars and rice yes i said caterpillars like the bug and they also didn't have any goods or means to fix their ships in the channel. So Zhenxi decides to leave her husband slash son, Zhenpo, in the channel to be a presence and continue like laying claim to the islands. Um, while she and the rest of the Red Fleet took the boats like all hobbled up to go get fixed somewhere else. And it, it did appear at the time to Bai Ling that defeat was near. Zhenxi really didn't want to have to separate from Zhenpo because she worried that separating would or could be their demise because it would appear that they were no longer this united front. But it was really necessary for the greater good of the fleet, and she was always about the bigger move. So in 1809, she and the Red Fleet were nestled up in this harbor of some island somewhere, making repairs on their ships and like nursing their wounds. And Bai Ling saw this as their fatal flaw. In this harbor, it was assumed that they would be safe and hidden. And they actually only had one way in and one way out. So they're in their little harbor when who shows up? But Bai Ling, out of nowhere. And what does he have with him? But 60 
British army ships. Now, mind you, at the time, countries asking for, for like foreign aid was unheard of in the middle of conflict to go ask another country to come help you. This was really unheard of. This is something that just doesn't happen. But a scout comes back from scouting, goes back to Genshi, and, and he's like, uh, there's 60 British ships about to come get our fucking goat. And Jen's like, ah, shit, we're so fucked. And so she sends out an SOS immediately to her entire fleet, the green, the blue, the yellow, everybody. She sounds the alarm for the fleets to assemble and come to this harbor within three days. And Zhenxi's entire fleet and the 60 British ships are all in this little harbor, just sitting there, like wait, like little sitting ducks, waiting to see who's gonna make the first move. Like, are we gonna kiss right now? <laughs> Anyways, the only ship that did not show up was the MVP Black Flag ship. Now remember, these are her hard hitters. These are her, like her A-team, and they are still way up north, and for some reason they were like, yeah, we're not gonna come help you. Honestly, they probably heard of what was going on and they were like, yeah, fuck that. I'm not going to go walk into certain death. So finally, Bai Ling pulls the trigger and he makes the first move, bombing Zheng Shi's ships. Just like throwing bombs at her for two hours straight. So finally, Zheng Shi sends a few tiny boats full of men to go throw lit torches at the British ships. Just like, God. Now, British ships, just so you know, at the time are made of wood and they're very heavy, uh, heavily lacquered. So they're like very ornate and pretty, but they have this lacquer finish on them, which unfortunately made them really flammable. So he's out here bombing her. She's sending ships out with torches and everything's really flammable. And like, they all pause for a short while after, after they throw these little torches at them. And it's recorded that during this pause, Zheng Shi goes down to the hull of her ship and she resorts to lighting incense and praying to many gods hoping that one of them would answer. Now, this is like fact recorded that she goes down to the hall, she lights her incense and she starts praying to many gods, um, just like hoping to have one of them turn the tides in her favor, which again is hilarious that there's like tons of ships bombing each other back and forth. And she's like, mm, I'm gonna light my incense and I'm gonna pray about it real quick. Hold on. So again, Bai Ling makes the first move after this pause and he's real quick about it. So while Zhang Shi is praying and lighting him incense, he's like, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna empty all the men off of 43 of our 60 ships, and we're gonna pile all of our explosives onto those 43 ships and set them on fire. So they set them on fire and they just sort of push the ships ablaze in the direction of Zhang Shi. Now remember, they're in a harbor, and they're kind of cornered, so their only way out is through Bai Ling's ships. And now more than half of those are slowly careening towards them, like loaded down with explosives and also on fire. Um, and this is a tactic that also was never seen or done before. So Bai Ling sought out foreign aid, never happened before, and now he's doing battle tactics that, again, never were seen before. So everyone's like, dang, this guy's the shit. Like, he's so fucking good. Don't worry, his, his downfall will come. And while Bai Ling was pretty quick with it, our girl Zhen was way quicker. She had her fleet push out into the harbor towards the flaming British ships, leaving this like large bay area behind them, like between them and the harbor. And what they did was they fashioned like a giant stick and sort of pushed the flaming boats around them and back behind them into the harbor and then like put the fires out. And they did this like night and day through the night, all day long. 
every time these flaming boats came at them, they just sort of like use these giant sticks and just pushed them around them and like just sank them in the harbor behind them. Um, so they never caught fire, which makes me think of the episode of Friends with the giant poking device. Like they made this giant stick out of chopsticks to poke ugly naked guy. Um, so it's just funny to think of them using like these like oars or like what would they even have? Like a mast? I don't know. Like just having these big ass sticks all tied together and just like pushing them, these on fire boats around them. I would really love to have seen Biling's face just like standing on his boat with like a bunch of British shipmates and he's looking out through his little telescope thing and he's just kind of seeing them shove these flaming boats out of the way and he's just like sitting there like, well, I'll be damned. <laughs> that didn't work. And the British captains are probably like, it's not, it's not really working, isn't it? <laughs> like, that had to have been hilarious. Now, on the ninth day of battle, a strange wind blows into the harbor. A strong breeze from the south comes through and starts pushing the last of the fiery ships away from Zhenxi's fleet and back towards Bai Ling and the British. I don't know what gods she prayed to, but clearly they answered. In fact, the winds got so strong on that day, they actually pushed the entire British fleet out of the way just enough so that Zhenxi could escape with her fleet out of the harbor unscathed, having only lost 40 men and zero ships. This bitch lost zero ships. Shield maiden behavior, ladies and gentlemen. What a fucking badass. So her and her fleet are just kind of like skirting around them out of the harbor, out of harm's way, and left by Ling and the British ships to deal with like the flaming explosive ships that they had sent her way. I mean, it was a good plan. It was a great plan even. Um, it just backfired. Don't, don't mess with a woman who has the power of incense and prayer on her side, I guess. So they escaped and Zhenxi has no time to celebrate because she's fucking pissed. Because her number one star players, her black flag fleet, never answered her goddamn call and came to her aid. They had assumed that she was for sure dead meat and she's like, bitch, I survived. Where the fuck were you? How dare you have zero faith in your captain? And she declares all out war on them. She like vows to hunt them down and make them pay for abandoning her in the fleet's hour of need. So now we have beef with the Black Flag fleet. She obviously still has beef with the Chinese government, and on top of that, there's like still other pirate gangs running around doing what a pirate do, and like, the fighting goes on for months, is what I'm trying to say. Zhen Shi and her fleet are being bombarded at every turn for months on end. Now Zhen Shi, she's only like in her mid to late 30s at this point, but she's been doing this shit for 20 years, and she's like, bro, I'm fucking tired. I'm so tired of this shit. So she sends a notice to the Chinese government addressed to Bai Ling. And she's like, hey man, I'm willing to work out a negotiation. Mind you, he still thinks that she's a huge threat. So he's probably like geeking out that she's finally answered him and like he finally got to her and she's willing to work out some sort of deal. She has terms though. And her terms are she wants a full pardon and amnesty for her entire fleet. So she's like, yeah, we're willing to give up on the grounds that the Chinese government will never charge us with anything we've ever done, and we get to keep all of our treasure and goods that we've stolen. Additionally, she demands that every member of her fleet is given the option of joining the Chinese army. And she demands that they get paid at a higher salary, like give them a higher pay grade, because she rations that 
they have more experience and they're more badass, so they should be paid more. And she's like, you guys clearly need help in that department, so here you go. And she's basically saying, like, all you need to do for us to pack it up and hang up our pirate flags is to just give us this amnesty and take care of my boys. That's all. And it's a pretty good deal. I would totally take that deal. But of course, Biling and the generals were like, haha, yeah, right. We're not going to fucking do that, you pirate bitch. Uh, we're not just going to let you like go walk and forgive everything that you've done for the last 20 years. Yeah, right. And Zhen Shi, who is, by the way, now goes by Madame Zhen, was like, oh, word? No deal? Okay, watch this. And she goes ahead and sends her entire fleet up that channel with the exclusive trade route, except this time she goes ahead and lifts her pirate laws. So this is just an all-out chaos suicide mission. She essentially let the leash off of 70,000 men and tells them to just go nuts and be pirates. So while her men are wreaking absolute havoc like never before seen, she takes her ass all the way up to Catan, where Biling himself is stationed, so that she can have a face-to-face -face meeting with him. I can only assume that Biling was absolutely shitting his pants by this point, like he must have been terrified. So Madame Zhen shows up just like a cloud of black smoke and flames behind her, and she's like, listen, the difference between you and me other than the fact that I'm a badass pirate bitch who has pulled one over on you several times now, the difference between you and me is that my men are willing to die for me in the name of glory, and they're going to bring China down with them. Absolutely terrified and taking heed to her warning, Bai Ling drops to his knees and utters the words, please, no. He pleads with her, explaining that the government is willing to pay them to stop. They're willing to literally paid to just pacify them with money and just keep them occupied forever. But Madame Jeanne says, no, I'm done. I made my terms clear and I won't settle for anything else. So Biling says, okay, fine, we can negotiate. We're, we're willing to accept your terms exactly as you said with one caveat, and it's that you and your husband slash son, Jean Po, can never own a ship ever again. And this seems like a pretty good deal. Again, I would take that deal. That's reasonable. You get everything you want. You know, it's just that you guys can never own ships again. And Madame Jen again says, no. She says, this is not a negotiation. My terms are clear and you're going to give me what I want or everyone's going to die. This woman was like, I was born by the ocean. I grew up by the ocean. I live my life by the ocean. I'm a fucking pirate and you're not going to take that from me. So finally, Biling is like, okay, fine, you win, you get your pardon, all your boys get hired, they all have jobs, they all have pardons, and you get to keep your stupid little ship, we concede defeat. Which is hilarious, because like they just spent literally months, months and months fighting, only to accept her original negotiated terms. Amazing. So two weeks later, the Red Fleet in its entirety surrenders at Macaw with 17,318 pirates, 226 ships, and 1,351 cannons. And with that, the Chinese army gained an entire fleet and the manpower that they needed. She gave over everything, and the only thing she said to them was, the sea is a dangerous place, and then took off. And Madame Jeanne took her pirate plunder and opened a floating gambling house, sort of like a, like a maritime casino on the water. Um, old habits die hard, I guess. And she and Jeanne Po, her son-husband, also went on to have two more kids, a son and a daughter, before Jeanne Po unfortunately died at sea in 1822. 
but Madame Jen did not have time to be terribly upset after losing her husband again, as she moved her entire family immediately to Macaw, on land this time, where she opened a brothel. Her successful brothel, in conjunction with her infamy, her name, um, led her to meet some very interesting and powerful people who made her a proposition. She eventually took her skills back out of retirement and got involved in the salt trade, which made her an absolute fuck ton of money. And finally, during her later years, she even served as an advisor to get this, the Chinese military, in a battle against the British army during the Opium Wars of 1839. So she was like living it up in her wealth. She was shooting craps, you know, running brothels. She was masterminding salt trades. And they called on her again, only this time as an invaluable asset years later. And she's still that bitch. After she gave up their ent- her entire fleet, she gave them an army. She gave them an arsenal, along with the warning that the sea is a dangerous place. They still came crawling back to her, the terror of the Chinese sea, for help to defeat an army that they once used against her. Madame Jeanne died at age 69 in 1844, peacefully in her bed in her home in Macaw, surrounded by her family and her riches, having never been charged with a single crime. Madame Jeanne, you, my dear, are an incredible pirate baddie with the biggest of big dick energy, and for that, I salute you, and I do dub thee an honorary shield maiden. Well, friends, that is all for this week. I hope you enjoyed this installment of Shield Maiden Sagas. If there's a badass woman of history that you would like to see featured, I'd love to hear about her. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Silver Shield Maiden or email me at shieldmaidenpod at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye!